family karma. Hello, fam. Karma fam. <laughs> karma fam. Someday we're going to get it right. Maybe. Can, or, or not. Do you know what's wild? It, what? Season two starts in three weeks. Oh my gosh. Can you believe we're going to be back to doing our recaps again? No. I have, I can't. What day, night is it on? It's again? on Wednesdays. Oh, good. I don't have class that night, so that's great. Yes. Um. Hello, everyone. We're hello, everyone. We're just taking care of business. Taking care of business. Telling you about today's episode, but also we went to Palm Springs this weekend, this we past did. weekend, to celebrate Deanna's fortieth birthday, and it was so much fun. Palm Springs is amazing. If you haven't gone, I really recommend going. Yeah, it was like this cute little town, kind of sleepy, but like everything you need, and like really interesting landscape because there's like mountains and palm right. trees. And it was really hot, but it was like desert hot. So it didn't feel too bad to me, I thought. What was your highlight? Well, maybe it was after. So we went out for this really nice dinner mm-hmm. to this Italian restaurant, which was it was great. Great food, great drinks, great everything. Great atmosphere. Totally. And then afterwards, we're like, OK, let's walk somewhere to go dancing. Mm-hmm. And we... We're walking along, walking along to the loo, kind of like the main drag. And all of a sudden we start seeing <laughs> stars on the sidewalk. Oh my gosh. And we're both like, wait a minute. Wait, we know this. We've been here before, <laughs> let's just say. We've been here before. Bravo has taken us here before. Oh, and La- it's like- Lance Bass was with us. Wasn't Lance Bass with us? <laughs> Lance Bass was with us when Lisa Vanderpump, sorry, Lisa Vanderpump got her star in Palm Springs. I think it was like season four of Beverly Hills or something. And we're like, okay, now our mission. (laughs) (laughs) Our life's mission. And but like they were the stars are on both sides of the sidewalk. So so we we were were like gambling a little bit. And I, 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 you wanted to take out your phone and I refused to let you. Yeah. You're like, no, we are going. I wanted it to happen really <laughs> organically. And we were just about to give up and we're just walking along and all of a sudden there it is like a bright light. Lisa Vanderpump. It was it was like brand. It was like scrubbed new compared to like all the other ones. <laughs> Do you think she pays someone to get it like buffed every day and like spotless? No, (laughs) but I think she's one of the newer ones because it's like Natalie Wood, Bob Mm -hmm, Hope, you mm know, not Frank Sinatra. We saw Frank Sinatra Jr. Yes, which was very interesting. It it was anyway, we found it. And then what was so funny? We were started screaming. We're like freaking out looking at it. And then this girl comes up and she's like, oh, my God. You guys know what I mean, because she's like, I'm excited to you guys get it. And then we start talking about all things Bravo. Like we just launch into it. It was like we just started talking keywords to read, you know, like yeah. <laughs> Erica Jane, like the, do you, Tom Girardi, like just not even like, yeah, <laughs> no preface. <laughs> And then we look behind her and she has like two friends with her who are kind of like rolling their eyes at us like, um, we got to go. And she's like, clearly like, I want to stand Torn. here and talk to you guys, but I also have to go with my friends. And eventually she went with her friends. But it was just like this moment of like, we found it. And like, Do you know, it's kind yeah. of weird what? being somewhere where Jiggy was. 
<laughs> I'm not even trying to like sound funny. Like it just hit me. Uh, yeah, like, like Jiggy R. was there. Like R.I.P. 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 She was a hundred percent holding Jiggy though. She was like I don't remember that for sure, but I'm just gonna insert that into my memory. I'm, yeah, we oh, could go Jiggy back was and watch everywhere. It, <laughs> So, so that was that the highlight. Was actually really good I mean, highlight. actually, that wasn't really the highlight. Like the whole weekend was really fun, you know, like just being able to get away and um, not think about kids. And, and just we talked every day for the two and a half hours. <laughs> so the plane ride was right. Two and a half hours. It was two and a half hours. And we <laughs> talked probably about Bravo for just... We just like basically threw up Bravo the whole time. Yeah, basically. And, and caught up in person because yes. we never get to see each other in person. Yeah, and then we got to catch up about everything else. It was really fun. And we wish you had all been there with us. But, you know, um, it go is Go to Palm Springs. Go, go to Palm be, Springs. visit Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> Star. Know that Jiggy was there. Um, Do not go to a dance club called Moxie. <laughs> Well, well, okay, to be fair, we went really early because our dinner reservation was early and we're like, we're not staying out late. And yeah, no one was dancing. It was just us but and us. our other friend. And, and it was... we were like, let's go. <laughs> and, and, but, but we now, um, my interest is peaked about 90 Day Fiance. We watched. Oh, hell yes. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. Oh. We'll have to talk about that in our Thirsty 30 episode, which okay. we'll do our little plug that we do once an episode. We talk about all things Bravo, pop culture, 90 Day Fiance on our Thirsty 30 segments, which you can get exclusively on our Patreon feed, patreon.com slash family karma cast for the K. It's just a dollar a month and we put up an episode every week. And I also want to say it's um, we don't get any new reviews. Oh, yeah. We haven't had new reviews in a while. We haven't had any new reviews. And so... Wherever you get your podcast, please review it. Yeah, it really helps. It helps other people find the podcast and um, let them know that they should listen to it. So, mm-hmm. okay, um, this week we have a uh, really wonderful guest. Her name is Suhani Parikh, and she is the founder of Modern Marigold Books, which is a children's book publishing company. That's focused on telling stories of that you're not seeing in traditional children's book stuff uh, from communities of color, from people who have had stories that, you know, maybe in their lives, they've had a little bit of a different journey and kind of highlighting those in a positive way, basically to like promote acceptance, you know, from an early age. And I think it's important that, um, you know, especially... I know in the past couple years, especially with the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. movement, who has propelled so many things, so many numerous yes, things. Yes, so many. We've been learning how much, um, you know, BIPOC stories have been told by wh- white voices, like mm-hmm. it's especially highlighted it. And what she is doing is she's really interested in the own voices. Yes. Especially from that particular person in that culture's perspective which is yeah you know which is so important especially now it really is and um what was really so her book Shreya's very own style um 
which I think was the first put out in the company or the publishing company, um, is about her journey with alopecia. And she talks a lot about it in the interview. And I learned a lot about the condition just from listening Mm -hmm. to her. And it was just really um, inspiring to like hear how she's dealt with it, how she infused that into the story and like the great feedback she's been getting. And, you know, one thing I took away from the interview was like, what a great vehicle for us all to kind of educate ourselves on these topics Mm -hmm. like children, but children's books are like we're reading them to our kids over and over and over again so it's not just the kids getting the information it's the parents too exactly and it's like this really wonderful way of um, expanding our horizons on all these really important topics so um, also if you're like a budding children's author or you think you have a story that you want to like explore um suhani talks about how you could get involved with her publishing company it's very new just started in the past year but um really exciting stuff the content she already has out is great and there's more to come so i think that's all we need to say about that that's it you know thank you for listening um we appreciate all of our listeners and we were talking a lot about the podcast and how appreciative we are to be doing mm-hmm. this every week and so thank you for listening yeah I mean <laughs> I'm always like an I'm like someone like cares about what we have to some say. strangers just listening to <laughs> to us <laughs> it's really that? it's really exciting and we're glad that you guys care about the stuff that we care about so yeah we love you and please enjoy this interview that we did with Suhani Parikh from Modern Marigold Books. So, yes, that's right. I read on the website you have twin five-year-olds. I do. And you look refreshed. I know. And you look gorgeous. So I want to know your secret right off the bat. I know. I'm like, you are a very kind person. Look like that. I have two and I look like a a dirty dish towel. No, this is, this, I I can't. Let's not go there. You have, you just send you some pictures of me and like my prime before kids. And then you're like, then, then you'll see. I know. I know how that is. Um, so are your kids, I'm assuming that they are part of the reason why you kind of started Modern Marigold um, books, Modern Marigold yes. books. So yeah, we just love to hear like kind of the history behind it and what prompted you to really get this going. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I think this is, I was so excited to get your email and I'm excited to share my story here for, with you both. Um, and yeah, so Modern Miracle Books basically started um, a few years ago. Um, I come from a family of business owners and so it's always been on my mind, probably my whole life, you know, that I wanted to start my own business, but I never quite knew what I wanted to start. And um, when my kids were born, I was home with them for the first time. Um, You know, I have twin girls. And so they, I I left my job and it was the first time since I was 14 years old that I wasn't working. And um, I found myself at home with two kids. And while I loved it, I really wanted to be home with them and and raise them and be there for every moment. I just felt like I wanted to do more. And I thought this could be my opportunity to start my own business. And so went through a number of ideas in my head. And finally, um, 
you know, nothing seemed to click. And finally, I had heard um, an interview um, of another business owner and how she had kind of stumbled upon her business idea was that she started following a passion of hers. And it kind of got me to thinking about what I really love to do and what are the things that I've always wanted to that I haven't been able to make time for, been getting busy working and having kids and all the rest. And I got back to writing, you know, writing has always been something I really love to do. And I always want to write my own novel or something, something like that. And so I started working on that. But I think just the phase of life that I was in, all I could think about were different stories for children. And they were all inspired by these different experiences that I had growing up. And one of the most influential experiences of my life was growing up with alopecia areata. And that is a autoimmune condition that causes your hair to fall out. And alopecia areata is a very patchy sort of hair loss, and it's very unpredictable. So at any given point in time, you could lose some parts, some some of your hair, you could lose an eyebrow, you can lose some of your eyelashes. It's very unpredictable. And I grew up with this condition. My dad has this condition. And so I decided to start writing a story about that. You know, as I continue working on the story, I knew I wanted to be the one to publish it and be in charge of the illustrations and really be in charge of the direction that the story took and what the end product is going to be like. And so I decided to start a company to publish the book under, um, came up with the name Modern Marigold Books. Um, and so it really started off as a self-publishing venture. Uh, to bring this story to life. And then I had a few other stories I wanted to bring to life as well. Um, also inspired by things that I've that I've gone through in life. And as I continued working on those three stories, um, I realized that, you know, I've learned so much and I see these gaps and these, you know, areas in children's literature where we need more. We, we need more. There is some, there is some, there are some books available and there there is more diversity that's appearing in children's literature as of the last no, few years. However, we need more. And so I decided to turn Modern Miracle Books into an independent publishing company. And so starting this year, I'll be working with my first author. I'm signing a couple more authors for the years to come. And I'm really excited to help them bring their stories to life. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really inspiring to hear that like, and you hear this so often is that people come with their own stories and that's what inspires them to kind of get started with whatever it is. And, you know, we just spoke with, have you heard of Shelly Anand? I have. Yeah. <laughs> and Lucky so it's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great Fabulous story. story. Yeah. Story. My girls are obsessed and so am I. Yes. It's so good. And it's like, it's a story about body hair, like normalizing yeah. that and whatever. But this is like, you know, your story is about like a condition that affects a lot of people that like might make you look different than mm -hmm. other people. And, um, you know, it, it's just it's such a it's such a nice way to bring awareness to a topic from a young age when it's easy to just point things out that are different on other people. Absolutely. I think um, growing up, I, you know, I started developing this condition around the time that I was four years old, but mm -hmm. it really to a point where it was noticeable when I was in junior high. Um, but even even so, even though during elementary school, I didn't I didn't have to really worry about the spots that were in my on my head showing because I had such thick hair that was kind of covered and they were very small in the back of my head and things like that. I, I was very much aware that there was something going on. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I remember is I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one right. growing up with this. And so I think the fact that it was never reflected in 
books in movies and t- on TV, like on anything around me, and even in the community, I think there must have been other people with this, with this condition, whether it was, you know, more severe as or less severe than mine, whatever it was, wherever it was in the spectrum of alopecia, I know it was there because it's quite prevalent within the South Asian community and yeah. other Asian communities as well. But I, I never saw it because these things aren't really talked about and they're sort of, they're, they're hidden, you know, the first instinct is to hide it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the one benefit that I had was that my dad has alopecia and his sister has my fight, but my sister has alopecia as well. And so, um, my family, when they saw it, my, my mom saw the spots, she knew what it was. She knew exactly what she was looking at because she had seen my dad going through it. And my dad has a more severe form of alopecia than I do. So he has very, very little hair on his entire body. Um, mm. And so because of that, it wasn't such a shock for my parents. Of course, it was like a bit like, oh, okay, now, you know, we have to figure out how to, you know, raise her with alopecia and how as severe is it going to be and how is it going to affect her and all those things. But the one thing they're really um, big on doing is making sure that they listen to me and what I wanted to do. And so I always felt heard. I just never felt myself I, I never saw myself from, but I felt very hurt in my home. And so I kind of, it helped me develop a good sense of confidence, you know, an inner confidence about myself and about who I was and what was really important in life. And so um, that that really played a big role in my life. I was actually wondering um, what the first conversation was like um, about your alopecia um, with someone else that had has alopecia outside of your family members and what was that like? That I had with someone else who had alopecia? Yeah, and what circumstances did you all start talking about it? Okay, so I actually, until really this year when, mm-hmm. or this, the last couple of years when I, when I wrote the story and I started being more vocal about my own journey, I, I never really had the opportunity to connect with anyone who had alopecia. When, when, I, was, when I was in junior high and the spots became very visible. I got my first wig and all of those things. My mom did take me to an alopecia support group where I met a bunch of other people who are going through alopecia. And I think the one thing is that alopecia affects people very differently, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what kind of support you have in your home and your family and your friends or whatnot. And then when in life, it really making an appearance, I think. And also just who you are also plays a role in just how interprets the condition and how it affects, you know, I don't even refer to alopecia as a disease. Some people refer to it as a disease. I refer to it as a condition because mm-hmm. the way that I grew up looking at it is it never, although it affected my outward appearance, it never mm-hmm. limited me in any way of doing anything I wanted to do. And so I just feel like a disease is an appropriate term. However, other people who, um, who where it really affected their mental well-being, they refer to it as a disease because it really affected them. And I understand that as well. And so I think the that experience going to that support group, I think I felt that difference because I didn't really fit in there because the people who were sharing their stories, they were, you know, they were crying and they're really upset by it. And I was just like, you know, I I've seen my dad living a normal, wonderful, healthy life with alopecia. I don't know. I just don't feel that way about this condition, even though like, yeah, it it sucked at times and I wanted to be able to do whatever hairstyle I wanted. I didn't want to be stuck under a wig and I didn't know how to talk about and all of those things, but I didn't feel like it didn't make me feel that way, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And then after that, I never really came across anyone who had alopecia my whole life really. And then when I I started being more vocal about it now and sharing my story and writing the story for children to teach them about what alopecia is when, when they're young um, and really catch them at that young age, 
um, I started talking with other people that were my age who had it when they were younger, who developed it later on in life. And our experiences are so different, you know, but it's, I think the one thing that's in common are the, the emotions, right? Like it really makes you um, wonder about yourself, look at yourself differently, really forces you to think about like, what is important? Like, is this, is hair as important as everyone like everyone, put, everyone puts so much emphasis on hair, right? Yeah. Like that, you know, it's like a huge part of you and it's so important and we got to take care of it and all of these things and all that is there. For me, hair was never that important because I never really yeah. had like this like wonderful head of hair that I could depend on. I always knew it would kind of come and go and it was, I, I don't know, I just never really gave hair that much importance. So I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I never really, now I'm coming across more people who have alopecia, so the yeah. conversations are still unfolding. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting while you were talking, I was just thinking about that there's like a billion dollar beauty industry mm-hmm. makes us whatever hair we have that makes us feel, especially as people that identify as women, that we're, it's not good enough. No matter, no matter if you have a full head of hair, whatever, whatever texture, whatever length, it's never going to be good enough. And so I think mm-hmm. like, just coming to terms with that that acceptance is I know leap like just so far ahead of where I am. It's so like empowering, yeah. I feel like hearing your story actually that like and that there's this children's book now that can like kind of help younger people sort of learn to not put so much importance right. on something that like it's so amazing to hear you say and actually like very I think like forward thinking of you to be like look at my dad he's lived this full life like this isn't stopping me from doing all these things like looking on in the basically like the glass is half full not half empty type thing which can be really hard yeah you know you're going through something like that especially Um, you're saying junior high and I feel that that's when the you realize that oh like the clicks are really apparent the teasing at least for me was really apparent Mm -hmm. yeah um Mm -hmm. and it is kind of um like there is this group mentality and this need to fit in during that time yeah and I think at that time I had moved to a new school district as well so I was a new girl Mm -hmm. and I was Mm -hmm. you know just I had like this big spot that was missing right on the top of my head and so but I think the the most interesting thing that that I experienced at that time was that, and I've said this before in other interviews, is that I think the community that I was in was so kind and I yeah. never experienced bullying in school. Like I just never, no one ever pointed, stared, asked me, like no one did any of those things when I was in junior high. And um, I'm so grateful for that. But on the flip side, I heard so many comments from like Indian aunties or like behind my back. And I'm like, it's so funny how children, like kids who are supposed to be like the mean ones at that age, (laughs) teenage years, you know, whatever. I wasn't experiencing any bullying or anything from that. And I wasn't like this popular kid in school either. I was just this new kid and I loved like science and like all those like different like, you know, things. And so I had like a very small circle of friends, but even the kids I didn't, like no one ever pointed or laughed or bullied or called me or anything like that. And so I felt it was so interesting that I didn't experience it from kids, but I experienced it from like adults. And those are, you know, you remember comments like that because, and I think it was also tougher for me because I did have alopecia areata. So a lot of times I felt that, I remember thinking, you know, it would just be easier if I had no hair on my head because Mm. right now it looks like I have, like I've done something to my hair or I don't know how to take care of my hair or something 
like I'm just like, you know, I'm sadly don't have night like I have sadly I have thin hair or something. So it left me so open to those kind of um, uh, like comments and that kind of yeah, um, right. people would pass all sorts of like assumptions on you. Like that they don't even know anything about you. Like I remember yeah. um, and it went up until like before I got married and even after that, because you know, when you're, when you're getting ready for your wedding, you get like your threading done, all those normal things, like all those things done. And so I had very thin eyebrows at the time. Like these are like temporary tattoo brows, like believe it Mm. or not, but they look great. They look great. They're the micro (laughs) needle. No, they're they're literally temporary tattoos. They just look so. Oh, wow. Wow. I love them. That's the best thing I found on Amazon ever. (laughs) Five stars. Um, Five stars. Exactly. And so I, but at the time of my wedding, I didn't, I didn't have anything. Like, so I had very thin eyebrows, like very, very thin eyebrows. And so I went to the starting salon just to get, you know, cleaned up or whatever, because I had like little hairs in random places. So the woman, she was speaking Hindi with someone else who was there and she didn't think that I knew what she was saying, but I could understand, I can't speak Hindi, but I can understand it because of movies and things like that. And so she was, the whole time I was there, she was like, these girls from America don't know how to do their eyebrows, like look what she's done, she's plucked them all out oh and look at her God. hair. It's like, oh. The whole time she's like talking about my my hair and like the way, because my hair was like, I had a full head of hair, but it was thin, right? Because alopecia also affects like the way your hair like your the strands of your hair become very thin. And yeah. So I had really thin, like straight hair, and um, you know, my eyebrows were very thin. And I left the salon, and I was so upset because I didn't even know how to respond because I couldn't even speak Hindi. I, I, you know, they didn't know I could yeah. understand them, so they were just like having this full fledged conversation about me and my hair yeah. and how I don't know how to. And I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, it would just be easier if I was bald. Like, then no one say anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, then it's like something. out and, there. You know, then it's like, I just don't have any hair on my head. You can't judge me at all. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's that's not true either. I mean, people, you know, people will, if people want to judge the way you look, they're going to find a way to do it no matter what you look like. But it's just funny when you've had those, when you hear those things, you're just like, man, like you look at yourself differently. And you have to like give yourself a pep talk. Like, no, yeah. this is not true. Like they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know anything about you. You know about you. Okay, let's keep going forward. <laughs> this is a common theme that we've heard in a few conversations now is like the auntie the aunties. And as a like, and, yeah, that's like, this is again, I'm not South Asian, but when she was talking, I was like, oh, the aunties. Oh, here yeah, they come again. You know what? Yeah. Like you've experienced it. I've experienced it. Like, you know, I don't wear makeup really and that's always like the comments about that at like weddings and things like that I'm like bitch I don't need to wear makeup if I don't want to yeah you know? I don't makeup like it's so silly <laughs> like there's nothing else for you to talk about like yeah I exactly it's like can you find another topic of conversation yeah. like My do you goodness. need to ta- like tear down all and it's not just me like I know they're like nitpicking at every woman everything about everything it could be about anything yeah and it's like it's such a cultural issue (laughs) that like Mm -hmm. you know I see it in my own mother who is has been very accepting of me and like kind of I've always wanted to have kind of a more natural look and not remove a lot of body hair and things like this and whatever and she's she's almost like encouraged me not to do those things and she doesn't talk about that about other women but she will make catty remarks about like other people, other girls, other women, and 
it's not always about like appearance, but it can be about other things. But I'm like this like woman on woman hatred in the South Asian community or whatever it is. It's like I don't blame it on women. Mm -hmm. Like I think it comes from this patriarchal society. It's like a whole system. Yeah. But it's like we have so many of these conversations when it comes to like our Mm self-confidence and how we felt about ourselves growing up because of the comments that were being made. You know, like the aunties thought we weren't listening, but they also kind of knew we probably were. And, (laughs) you know, it's like it's such an ugly thing. It is. It it really is. Um, Did your mom ever try to shield you from that? Or was she like from any comments or... Was she very protective? You know, I don't even know if the comments were made to my mom or in a way where she heard them, where she would have said anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my parents are very, um, you know, they is is interesting. We they supported me so much without actually like sitting down and like asking me like how I'm feeling about this or what. Like we never had like these like conversations where we never had these like in-depth conversations about like how alopecia made me feel. But at the same time, the way that they raised me and the things they encouraged me to do and, you know, these other conversations that we would have, again, just by seeing my dad living, my dad is a huge role model in my life and just seeing him live his life with this condition, all of that just was so supportive overall that it in and of itself shielded me very much from, and it kind of like, it kind of gave me that reassurance that amidst all of these comments and all of these different things and all of these different things I'm seeing in the movies and whatever, it kind of gave me that, that assurance that, you know, I'm important and I have an important space and I'm going to do big things and all, you know, all of those, you know, that you are important. And so I think, um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Is that, yeah, like having like all of this like auntie culture and all that, I think with all of this like still very much in play, even though like all these years later, I still, I, you still hear those comments made, right? And yes. Yeah. I think when you're, when a lot of times it, it's like a reality check, right? Because I'm consciously trying to ha- give my daughters a better, like a different future than, you know, I had, I'm trying to raise them in a different way or, you know surround them with more positive thinking and all of mm-hmm. those things, right? Mm-hmm. Just to, because I know that they might go out and hear this. Um, you, it's sometimes easy to forget that the comments are still happening and that it's still, mm-hmm. yeah. my kids are so young, right? We're still we're just at home and all of that. And especially with COVID, we've just literally been at home for last year. Um, so we haven't been meeting anyone. Um, but then when you do hear about like, when you do go out and about and you hear like these like comments being made by someone who's not much older than you, who also has young kids, you're like, oh man, like there is still a lot of work to be done. We need to reach yeah. like these, these parents here. Like we need to still, there's a lot of work to be done. And so that's why I think children's books are so important because now people are understanding that reading is so, so important for kids. Yeah. Diverse books are so, so important for kids. Yeah. But not just like diversity in the sense of like skin color and culture and all of that, but also like in terms of how people look, the different mm-hmm. conditions people might have, the different diversity in that sense that kids might see as they get older. Mm-hmm. And I think books like Shreya's Very Own Style not only speaks to kids, but speaks to adults as well and shows them maybe they're the parent who's raised with all this you know, with all these comments as well. And they've never had alopecia. And so they are also now repeating these same comments that they've heard. Yeah. And it's almost like maybe that'll be the thing that breaks the cycle and says, you know, right. oh, now we're looking, we're reading about a young girl who has, who's seven years old, who has 
this condition that has caused her to have patchy hair loss. This is how it's emotionally affecting her when she's preparing mm-hmm. herself to her friend's hairstyles, you know, that she sees right around her. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the book, when she's so well supported by her friends and they really speak to her incredible accomplishments and what she's really good at and all the wonderful things about her. Like, this is what we should be talking to our kids about. Like, yeah. this is these are the important things, right? Not how you styled your hair or what what outfit you've worn or, oh, you, you look so, you, you know, fair-skinned or whatever, whatever it is. Like, those things aren't important. Like, we need to talk about, like, what they love to do, what they're really good at doing, what they want to do, right? Like, all those things are so, so important to um, really place emphasis on and really nurture and, like, help our kids focus on those things as well. I I think that the more stories like like this and, like, Lakshmi's Mooch and, like, all these other wonderful stories that are coming up that really focus on body positivity and all of those things as well, but also like what's inside, like it's what's inside, not just what's outside. Let's focus on what you can't see as well. It's so important. You touched on something really important, I think, is that like children's books aren't just for children, you know, because the parents are reading them to their children. And like, as I read books to my son, I'm thinking about the content and I'm like, is this something that I want to share with him? Like, how do I talk about this when he's a little bit older? Because he's he's pretty young now. But like when he's older, you know, and can understand things like I see it as a way to jump off and talk about things. But it's also making me think about like, oh, like this is a way to introduce him to this topic or like I read, you know, if I'm reading a book about alopecia and a young girl, it's like, oh, my God, you know, I I'm realizing all these things that I didn't know before. And now I'm learning something, too. And I have tools to talk to my child about this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And the child has tools to talk to have a conversation with someone who another child that maybe has alopecia totally um rather than wondering and i think it's just really good to get um all different kinds of kids in these stories because you know when we grew up it was like i know i read like like little house (laughs) on the prairie which is so problematic it was like white blonde boy yeah or or and plays outside little blonde (laughs) white blonde girl you know Indra you and I have talked at great length about how we wanted to be so tiny and so blonde and oh yeah 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 absolutely so tell us about some of the other other authors that are in modern marigold books ecosphere so I can't talk about um, the authors I recently signed because I'm still working on like announcements okay. and things like that. But I'm I'm really, yeah. really excited for my first author coming up. Her book will be released this winter. Um, her name is Priya Barik and she's written coincidentally same last name, but totally yeah. <laughs> not related at all. Um, but she's written this beautiful book called Dancing Baby. And it's about a young girl who's learning Paranatyam and she wants to be a perfect dancer, just like her mom. Her mom also danced Paranatyam and won a number, number of competitions and things like that. And so it's really about the beauty of this dance form and um, really highlighting that and highlighting not just a dance form, but young girl really determined to learn it and perfect it and sharing the message that, you know, it's, it's okay not to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about mm-hmm. enjoying what you're doing. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. And I'm very, very excited for it. And the one thing that I try to do is find, and the one thing I ask for all submissions for, for manuscripts is that it needs to be 
I'm, I'm looking for own voice stories. Right. I really want to read about something that you personally have dealt with, have seen, have experienced, have felt. I want that story. Mm-hmm. And that's the story I want to bring to children. Because I think often a lot of stories are shared as own voice stories, but own voice stories are very specific. And it's very important to also tell the story while showcasing diversity, but also staying very much your lane and in the realm of what you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I really want the focus of my company to be to be that. And it's not just South Asian voices I'm looking for. I'm I'm hoping to expand to have voices from all over and all different communities and all different experiences. And that's really what I want um, to do through Modern Miracle Books is tell kids really unique stories that really cannot be found anywhere. What what is your how have your daughters reacted to your book? Oh, they they love it. They're like my biggest fans. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love it. children are incredible that way. They give you so much like confidence and they they shower you with so much love my my kids are they've read all of my story they've they've heard all my stories before they were like before they had any illustrations attached to them before they were into anything like that and so they are huge huge readers themselves and they they love just getting lost in books and now they knowing that I'm working on creating these stories are always like oh what story you're working on like what can I hear another story or can I see another like new um, picture picture book or whatever, because they know that mommy's working on creating these stories. And so they're always like trying to catch a look at like Dancing Davies illustrations and mm-hmm. reading a manuscript. They'll come up behind me and start reading it because <laughs> they can read it up. <laughs> and so they'll like, they'll start reading it over my shoulder and they'll say, oh, what does that word mean? <laughs> you know, so. You're like, mommy's <laughs> trying to work. <laughs> I, but I also love it because they, um, they, they're like the first, um, I, children are so important to the, yeah. to the whole process, yeah. right? Because these books are for children. So it's pointless to create this beautiful book that parents love, but kids don't want to read. Like mm-hmm. that's like that you're, the whole point is wasted. So as, soon, as I'm working on my books, my kids are reading them every step of the way. And I've definitely worked, I've written a couple of stories where they're just like, their interest has fallen off. They're just like, eh, you know, like, and I'm like, all right, probably not like my strongest, my strongest work. And so they've been so valuable to this whole process of creation and building this company and all of that. I, I I wouldn't be doing any of this if they weren't they weren't in the picture for sure. So for them and because of them. And so as someone like so just FYI, I wrote a young adult novel. And so I've been through the query process and all of that. Are, yeah. are people sending you queries? And if people are sending you queries, what are you looking for in those queries? Yeah, so I right now, um, I'm brand new, we're in our first year of business. And so right now I'm taking it a bit slow. So I yeah. have a submission period that just finished, I ran it from like January through March. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm looking for, like I mentioned before, own voice stories, realistic fiction picture books. Uh, that is really what I'm what I'm looking for. I want to know why you wrote the story. I want to make I want the experience to really be your own something that you've personally gone through. And um, I, I am looking for books that would just seem to be a good fit with the kind of stories that I have told so far, and that I've written like Shreya's Rang style, my my most recent um, picture book that's releasing in or at some point this month is sandwiches and samosas. And that focuses yeah. on um, uh, cultural, really cultural pride and identity and doing it through food and really encouraging kids to be proud of the foods of their home and to not be afraid of sharing that 
with their peers and in the cafeteria. And, you know, it's, it's just about that because that was something that affected me greatly as well. Um, is that growing up, I never, I never even thought that I could bring anything except for sandwiches to school for lunch. It never dawned on me that I was allowed <laughs> to do that because I was, I never saw anything but sandwiches. Yeah in the cafeteria. It was either cafeteria food or sandwiches and chips and right. food. And that's it. There was nothing else. I never saw noodles. I never saw rice dishes. I never saw yeah, <laughs> I never saw anything like that. And I felt it was so limiting because growing up, my mom is a fantastic cook. She made foods from all over the world, oh, wow. all over India. You know, so we we never had the same cuisine night after night on the dining table. And I think when I went to school, I was like, man, like I just got I can get cafeteria food or a sandwich. That's it. I can never bring yeah. anything else. <laughs> and um, and I and I and I think that's very much still the situation today. Is that kids are very afraid to bring their um, you know different kinds of foods into school, especially as they get older and into elementary school. Um, things that smell different, things that look different. Yeah. They're afraid of the comments. And a lot of my friends' children who are at that age, they do experience the comments. Their friends make faces, or they they say, "What does that smell?" or "What is that?" or "What are you eating?" or and so I really hope that this book kind of helps end that cycle and gets kids to look at foods differently. Yeah. And it's a, it's a big celebration of foods from around the world. So I'm really excited about it. I think that's another yeah. theme that we have on this podcast, too, is um, people talking about the different foods that they brought mm -hmm. um, to lunch. Mm -hmm. And do you know what I mean, Indra? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something that like... The smell thing is like, I'm really looking forward to reading sandwiches and samosas because again, this is just like an opportunity for like not only kids to be like, oh, when my South Asian friend brings some Indian food to school, like maybe I shouldn't comment on the smell. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also mm -hmm. like the parents, you know, at a play date or something like that, they can like observe that behavior if it happens and redirect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is like if, if everyone is on the same page on those things, like children's books are these like amazing vehicles right. to get everybody on the same page about like important issues and yes. how we can all support each other in this like multicultural society we live in in America. Well, yeah. and it's also something you can give to a grandparent to read yeah. to the kid and like you're kind of suggesting you know <laughs> like how to behave and think <laughs> rather than like having an, a face-to-face -face argument which we've all had you know with mm -hmm. our parents yep, yep. Um, it's just a subtle way of just being like oh like consider this right yeah yeah and I think the one thing that I feel really um, strongly about is that in terms of role modeling and a children's book has a really great responsibility. And that's why I think even though we do need to be talking about all of these different topics, it's really important how we go about talking, talking about them because yes, bullying happens in school. Yes. Comments are made and all of this. Do those same actions need to be reflected in children's books? I don't think so. Like in Shreya's very own style, sandwich and sam sam sandwich and sandwich and samosas. I don't show bullying in my books at all. Mm -hmm. I, instead show curiosity i show um uh 
I show really like I, I want to role model support. Like how can we be there to support one yeah. another and to really encourage and to embrace and be open to and welcoming towards diversity, whether it's in terms of different kind of foods or how someone looks or whatever. And I really feel um I don't think that's something that will ever appear in my my children's books is any sort of bullying. Although it's a reality for some children, I think that because now kids are reading books at a younger and younger age. Um, you know, my kids are five. They've been reading books that were for like kids four to eight when they were like two years old. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if they read about bully or they see someone yeah. bullying someone in a book, even though the book is trying to send this really positive, strong message against that, um, that kind of action, my kids haven't seen bullying. But now they've seen some form of mockery or some sort of that kind of behavior in that book. Right. And so yeah. I... I I'm very careful in that sense. And I feel like that's something we don't need to show mm-hmm. in order to stop. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, just don't even have it as a part of the conversation to begin with. The creative part of the storytelling process that, you know, or the writing process that I'm always trying to figure out is how can I how can I get this, how can I target this issue, really fight against what is happening, um, set, set a better example, but not in a way that reinforces any behaviors that we want to stop. So why don't you tell our listeners about your website? Because sure. it also has a lot of great like resources, like extra resources that go with the books and things like that. And yeah, and also tell us what the website is. Sure, sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's um, modernmarigoldbooks.com. And yes, I create teacher parent teacher guides for each of my books. And I create activity sheets that supplement the book as well. Um, so for example, for Shreya's very own style, the parent-teacher guide is a way that you can discuss what alopecia areata or alopecia is with your child, um, what you can do before, during, and after reading the story. Um, it also has an activity to kind of get kids to, and it's basically kids drawing a self-portrait of, you know, what they look like. And then in the body portion, all the things that they love to do and the things oh, that oh. are all, you know, a yeah, the things that they love to do. And so really getting them to think about the external and the internal at the same time. Um, And so and then I have another book called Bina the Bookworm. And I have a great few activity sheets for young kids to do like word searches and um, a fun maze and things like that. And then for sandwiches, most I'm still working on the activity sheet for that, but it's going to be centered around building a lunchbox or something like that. So yeah, I have um, a ton of resources. I plan to do that for each of the books that I publish. And um, I hope that they help to deliver the message of the story even more clearly and um, help parents in discussing some of these big topics with their kids in an easier way. And if someone out there is listening and they have a fantastic idea that they'd like to bring to you, you said you just kind of closed your query window. How should they get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, the submission window is closed for now. Um, like I said, I just did that because I'm a new company and I'm trying to get my processes in place, to be very honest. Um, if you have a great story and you you really want to share it with me, I would love to hear from you. My email address is um, or the easiest way is info at modernmarigoldbooks.com. And please send it across. I would love to connect with you. And um, hopefully, I'll be able to open up that submission period again before next year. Um, I'm just trying to, again, just get my processes in place and make sure I know what I'm doing <laughs> before I continue going on and keep asking for manuscript submissions. I got a huge number of submissions um, in the two months that I had run it. So I decided to just close it and to limit it for now. And then I'll I'll see as I, as I plan for the years to come. That's amazing. Yeah. And 
you know, I'm so thrilled to hear that you got so many submissions that mm. people are thinking about these things. Yes. And, and I just signed one more author. Her book will be coming out in 2022 in the fall. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to sign three more um, between t- releases in 2022 and 2023. And so I'm, I'm really, really excited for the book that's coming out next year. Again, I'm, I'm hesitating to mention anything because right. yeah, I'm working yeah. on like, it's very, very new and we're still trying to get everything figured out. But it's a very important story. And the character is just lovely. I know I know kids and families are gonna are going to absolutely love her story. So people can watch your website and your social media to find out more about when announcements are made and things like that. Yes, yeah, it's very we're we're small, quickly growing. <laughs> it takes time. So I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I just want to make sure that um things are are gonna work out the way that I, I'm a I'm a big planner. And so for me, if yeah. things aren't like planned out, I I get nervous and just like they're like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> I did that when totally. I was first launching and then it took me like an extra year. And so now I'm like, all right, just wait. And then you can yeah. announce it and be excited about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I'm really excited. I think um, I'm so grateful for the support that I've received and the love for the first um, three books that I've, I'm publishing. I'm I'm very, very grateful to be doing what I'm doing. It's very fulfilling. I, I'm so glad to be bringing these important stories to life for children. And I really hope to make uh, hope that they make an impact in their lives and the way that children see themselves and the kids that are around them in a better way. Definitely. I can't wait to share these books with my son. Me too. And, you know, as he gets older, it's just I'm so thankful that there are now books of South Asians. (laughs) I know. With the names that we've grown up hearing, right? Yes. It's incredible. That's why I was I really want to put Shreya on the book cover. Like I want yeah. to be on that on that title um, because we need those names front and center. You know what that makes me think of is, you know how like in a gift shop or something, they'll have like a, yes. a cart of things and it'll be like um, maybe keychains yeah, with different and it's like, names on it's them. It's like Keith. And Daniel, yeah. and it's like, it's like my Ken, name is never Lisa. my name's never on there. My yeah, Lisa, Jenny. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. And it's like, I I can't tell you how many times I would still look. Oh, yeah, of course. What if they had Indra? Yeah, (laughs) I think the closest thing to my name was like Sandy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you know, maybe I would the day I walk into a gift shop and they have. Oh, my my gosh. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them all my money. Yeah, I'm gonna buy everyone. <laughs> oh my god, uh, that would be that that would be that that would be a great. It really day. would be. Okay. Well, Suhani, thank you so thank much you for speaking so with much. us. And we yeah, we look forward to, you know, reading all of the books and we wish you the best of luck as you and we would love to have your new authors come on when their stuff comes out. Absolutely. I would I would love for that. I will put put you guys in touch as soon as as soon as possible. And where can everyone find you on Instagram and Twitter on the socials? Sure. I'm at on Instagram. I'm at Modern Miracle Books on Twitter. I always put my Twitter handle. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's, you can send it to me I'll later it, and I'll yeah. put it in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. It's it's all out there. If you type in Modern Miracle Books and Twitter and Google, it'll pop up <laughs> for sure. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so thank much. You so and um, we look forward to seeing more from Modern Miracle Books in the future. Thank you so much, ladies. It was great talking to you today. Yeah.